Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of Piano Rhapsody, a podcast where you follow my journey as an amateur piano player, starting at an intermediate level and advancing to greatness. Hmm, well, no, that's not accurate. From intermediate level to late intermediate level. There, that's much more honest. You probably know why you're here by now anyway. Every week, we dissect one piece of music that I encounter along my road to playing Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. Today, we're going to continue our dive into preludes and head to early 20th century France to visit one of the first composers credited with the Impressionist style, Claude Debussy. Now, Debussy himself firmly rejected the Impressionist title. He actually went as far to say that anyone who uses the term to describe art or music was an imbecile. It's difficult to pinpoint why Debussy had such disdain for the word, but it might have something to do with its context at the time. The term Impressionism was originally coined by art critic Louis Leroy as an unflattering term. He was referring to paintings at an exhibition of Monet and Cezanne and suggested the paintings looked unfinished or, get ready, impressions of actual paintings. Sick burn. So I think a valid argument would be that Debussy did not want to be associated with the negative connotations of the term at the time. But history has been kind, and it has grown to represent an interesting period of art and culture filled with highly respected and influential artists. So I mean no disrespect to Monsieur Debussy, but I don't know what else to title this unique era of music. So this here imbecile is going to briefly explain how Debussy found himself included in the Impressionist movement. To skim the Impressionist surface, in both music and art, Impressionist artists were concerned with the representation of landscape or natural phenomena, particularly water and light imagery through subtle textures suffused with instrumental color. Think of one of the textbook paintings from this era, Water Lilies by Monet. Debussy practically begged to fit into this description when he gave an interview in 1911, where he said the following, I have made mysterious nature my religion. When I gaze at a sunset sky and spend hours contemplating its marvelous ever-changing beauty, an extraordinary emotion overwhelms me. Nature, in all its vastness, is truthfully reflected in my sincere though feeble soul. Around me are the trees stretching up their branches to the skies, the perfumed flowers gladdening the meadow, the gentle grass-carpeted earth, and my hands unconsciously assume an attitude of adoration. So, love of nature? Firm check. Light imagery of a setting sun? Check conversational dialogue that sounds like you're speaking in poem? Check. Perfumed flowers gladdening the meadow? Seriously, who talks like that? All of these things fit in the Impressionist mold, but how do these ideas translate into music? Well, let's take a look at one of Debussy's preludes. Similar to Bach and Chopin, Debussy wrote a collection of 24 preludes as well, divided into two books of 12, the first written in 1910, the second in 1913. He followed in Chopin's shoes by interpreting preludes as standalone miniatures, which is unsurprising 
as Debussy described Chopin as, quote, the greatest of them all. For through the piano, he discovered everything. But aside from the set of 24, Debussy also took notes from Bach and wrote several preludes as openers to some of his longer works. Unlike both of his predecessors, Debussy did not feel confined by the strict pattern of writing one prelude in every key. He just did as he pleased. Also unlike his stuffy predecessors, Debussy included titles for his preludes. So today, we'll take a look at one of his preludes from book number one. And since Debussy didn't use opus numbers, it's just called number six. And pardon my French, Des Pas sur les Neiges. Or, in English, Footsteps in the Snow. This prelude is in the key of D minor, so I think the time has finally come to discuss how to make a minor scale. So even though we already learned the Phrygian mode, the minor scales are much more common throughout music. A quick caveat before we begin. There are several slightly different variations on the minor scale that can all be utilized seamlessly, even within the same piece. Today, we're just going to focus on the natural minor scale. So to review quickly, the major scale is the number one mode, also known as the Ionian mode. The Phrygian mode that we learned last week is a number three mode, which we learned is popular in flamenco music. And the natural minor scale correlates to the number six mode, known as the Aeolian mode. So how do we construct this one? Well, let's start at the home base, our big Lego building block, the major scale. We've discussed C major several times, as it's the major scale starting at C that utilizes all of the white keys. But today, since our prelude is in D minor, we're going to start with D major. We'll look into this in more detail in the future, but for today, let's just lay it out. D major contains two sharps within its key, F sharp and C sharp. So the D major scale is D, E, F sharp, G, A, B, C sharp, D. Now to transform a major scale into a natural minor scale, we need to lower the third, sixth, and seventh tones. So that would change the third tone, F sharp, to F natural. The sixth tone, B, to B flat, and the seventh tone, C sharp, to C natural. So here's where we're at now, D natural minor, D, E, F, G, A, B flat, C, D. And there's that classic melancholic kind of spooky sound we expect from a minor key. So I want to take a quick tangent here and discuss another way to reach the Phrygian mode that we talked about last week, and that's to take the natural minor scale of a key and lower the second tone. So D Phrygian would take the D natural minor scale that we just talked about and lower the second tone, E, to E flat. So D Phrygian would be D, E flat, F, G, A, B flat, 
C D It's an easier way to arrive at the same destination, but I didn't go that route last week since we hadn't talked about how to make a natural minor scale yet. It's also a good illustration of how circular music theory can be. There are multiple terms describing the same concept, multiple methods to reach the same conclusion, yet innumerable ways to stylistically arrange these 12 little semitones. Anyway, where was I? So this prelude falls right into what we would expect from an impressionist piece, in that it paints an image of nature. In this case, a person walking alone through the snow. Unlike Baroque composers like Bach, who don't offer any specific instruction whatsoever to the performer, Debussy tends to include a lot of colorful guidance within his works. He notes in this prelude that it is sad and slow, with a marking of 44 beats a minute. He writes that the rhythm should have the sonorous value of a sad and frozen landscape. The motif of this prelude is simply four notes. Thinking back to the D minor scale, we start with a D to E, a 1-2 step, then E to F, from 2 to 3. And this motif repeats itself throughout the prelude giving the impression of taking small steps, or, as the title suggests, footsteps through the snow. This short motif is also built upon the dichotomy of consonance and dissonance. The first step, from D to E, is considered a whole step interval, since there is a black key in between. This interval is known as the major second, which is considered a dissonant sound, because it inspires tension as our ear hears it as unfinished and wants it to move on to a more stable chord. The relief comes in the very next two notes of the motif, from E to F. This F completes the jump to a minor third interval, which is a consonant interval, or one that is heard as a point of arrival, rest, and resolution. Now the funny thing about consonants and dissonance is that it can change over time. What sounds consonant to us in the 21st century may have sounded dissonant to Bach in 18th century, but it's not as subjective as from person to person. It's more of a concept of sonic evolution. Anyway, the prelude repeats this motif over and over again, inspiring the same cycle of dissonance and resolution giving it a driving sense of internal conflict. The motif does take a break late in the prelude, in a section that W.C. marks a tender and sad regret, possibly representing a moment where our subject takes a break from his walk and stops to reflect on a sad memory. At which point, the motif returns, this time, even more delicately, two octaves higher. And after a brief coda, the prelude ends in the home chord of D minor. 
So let's have a listen to the whole thing. At about four and a half minutes, this is one of the longer preludes that we're going to encounter. But that's mostly due to the slow pace. So here it is, Debussy's prelude number six. De pas sur la neige, or footsteps on the snow, from prelude book number one.
wake up. <laughs> Just kidding. Thanks as always for listening to the podcast. You can find the standalone recording of this prelude in the podcast feed. If you haven't done so already, please take a second to subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps people find the podcast. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody. Email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. And you could also stream all of the recordings heard on this podcast and more at my SoundCloud page. Next week, we're going to conclude our series of preludes with a prelude from one of Debussy's friends and rivals, depending on which time of his life, Maurice Ravel. I will talk to you all then. Have a good week.